broadcasting from an undisclosed location, from a secret hunting spot known only to him, and the guy who told him about it, and possibly the guy who told the guy who told him. It's a show all about hunting in New Zealand and around the globe. This is The Hunting Show. Find The Hunting Show on Facebook and Twitter for up-to-date information on upcoming shows and topics. Welcome back to another week of The Hunting Show. I'm your host, Stephen Spargo, and you've got to check out this month's issue of NZ Outdoor Hunting Magazine. There's all sorts of good issues, all topics in there, from hot tips for hunting success. There's a whole lot of articles about bits and pieces and new gadgets out, even the new lead lens, a torch or headlamp. That thing is absolutely incredible. This thing's got to be moving to stay cool. Uh, amazing bit of kit, and I was lucky enough to have a go with it. There's also a great article there on hunting whitetail in Stewart Island. Yesterday I went out with my young fella and we shot some goats. We're off the back of a farm. We were in sort of very light bushland, and for the first time, he got to shoot something bigger than a rabbit. And the interesting thing about it is he took that quite seriously. You know, I watched him sight in, and I was very proud of his gun control, uh, the safety that he used. And then I was very surprised at how close he wanted to stalk before he shot. He got within about 130 metres. He, he stalked like a pro. Very, very interesting. He's obviously watched me do it a few times and shot that with a 22 Magnum, a perfect dead-on shot. But when it came to actually the next part, that was cutting the throat, gutting the animal, skinning it, it wasn't so wrapped, you know, it didn't really take that too well. And question I have for you is when you take your kids hunting, I, I had the attitude that if you shoot it, you need to dress it, you need to get this thing ready and prepared. We sent it off to the butcher to get uh, made into sausages, but he needed to get it to that point. And I think for me, that was quite important that he followed that all the way through. How do you guys feel with your children? If you take your kids, your grandchildren, uh, your relatives or a mate's child out hunting and they go get to that part and they're kind of a little bit, I don't know whether that's what we want to do or they're, they're not very wrapped by it. Do you force them through it? Do you make them take that extra step? And I sort of use the line that after a few times, mate, you're going to get used to it. Or do you let them just get into the good bit, let them enjoy the experience, and then take them to that step later on? I'd like your feedback on that. What are your thoughts? Email me, info at thehuntingshow.co.nz, and uh, let us know how you handle that. This week we're doing the show from a cafe at Palmer's Garden World, of all places, in Topor. They've just given us a great coffee, so good on you guys. Uh, it's a great little garden centre. Come and check it out. But I'm here with Ken. And Ken is the owner of Apacho Lake Guide Outfitters, and they are a hunting guide service in Canada. How are you, Ken? Good. How are you? Oh, not too bad. It's always good to have a coffee. It's nice and early in the morning. Ken, tell us a little bit about your background and how Apacho Lake Guide Outfitters came into to being. Well, it's actually been there from uh, 1965. I think the first guy owned it. Um, there's been a couple of owners since, and uh, I've been guiding there for 31 years, and my wife and I purchased it 11 years ago. And Ken, you're obviously a passionate hunter. Can you tell us about how you got into it, and, and what, what's the right of passage for a hunter in Canada? Oh, you know, I grew up on a farm, and like all farm kids, you spend most of your time hunting and fishing and messing around, and uh, I just happened to bounce into the fellow there one day that owned it, and he asked me to guide for him, and and uh, I never, I haven't messed a year since. I think I was well, I'm 50 now, and I was 19 then, so, yeah, so I haven't missed a year since. So, And, and you're over here in New Zealand at the moment. You're staying at uh, Poranui. 
how are you finding? You've done a you've done a few hunts here. Are you enjoying what New Zealand has to offer? Oh, New Zealand's a beautiful country. It's uh, in some ways it's quite similar to British Columbia, and in other ways it's quite different. Uh, what the foliage? Um, I, I didn't expect to see. Well, it's a South Pacific country, right? But I mean, to see the ferns and stuff was uh, I, I, I didn't expect that. But it's it's really is like we went for a walk last night. I can't pronounce the place of where we were. It was like a three-hour hike up on a mountain, but it, it's like a jungle. And uh, we do get jungles in British Columbia, but it's more Devil's Club and Big Spruce and Blowdown and, and uh, Alder and things like that. But this is like with ferns and all that's really missing is uh, monkeys and, you know, <laughs> you know it, it is. It's like a jungle. You know, um, one thing, so you've, you've talked about that, and a lot of people I talk to that come to New Zealand to hunt from overseas, that's the first thing they say. They say the bush is really gnarly here. You know, it's scratchy and horrible. Um, but there's something very unique about that, and being able to hunt deer on public land all year round is something that we're very, very privileged to have, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, yeah, for sure. Now, going back to where you're from, you're British Columbia in, in Canada, you're really lucky because what you have to offer here, and I've got your brochure here. My wife's been well sick of me flicking through this thing for the last 48 hours since you gave it to me. Uh, you've got a whole lot on offer. If I was to come over there, and I did talk to you off air about about potentially coming over in a couple of years' time, and that, that's definitely on my list. What am I going to see? What's the experience? What's unique about what you have to offer? Well, it depends what time of year you come. We do spring blackberry hunts, um, and um, I don't know what's unique about it, but... Well, British Columbia is all spot and stock blackbird hunting. There's no baiting. So uh, that would be unique, I guess. Um, in the spring, the bears in my area come out around the 1st of May from hibernation. They sleep for about five months. And then uh, beginning of end of May, beginning of June, uh, the the rut starts for the bears. And they're, you get the big the big boars are wandering all over looking for sows and stuff. And So, I mean, that's what would happen in the spring. And in the fall, our, our moose rut... I uh, would start around the 15th of September and go till about the 15th of October. So that's a that's a great time to be there as well. One thing that I was very interested in is, and I've been thinking about this since we spoke, is there is something about in New Zealand we are not hunting anything that potentially is going to hunt us back. You know, there's no apex predators here. We we really are, um, or we are it. We're the we're the main predator on on, on our lovely islands. I think that that's going to add something to me because I have to be perfectly honest. I've never hunted any predators at all. Um, I've hunted overseas, but certainly nothing nothing like this. How does that add to the hunting experience? It might sound like a strange question, but it's something I think most Kiwis are pretty unfamiliar with. Well, if you were to come over in the spring and see as many bears as we have, you would be pretty careful about where you would put your tent at night. <laughs> I don't I don't think you guys have anything here that will, not even a snake, do you? No, no snake. No, nothing. Um, eels, I guess, are your... <laughs> no, um, yeah, you would, uh, you definitely tent different. <laughs> but, but what's different about hunting something like that? You know, if I... If I'm out stalking deer, and in the last 48 hours I've given that a, a burst, I'm not thinking about what's this guy going to do to me um, outside of when I when I go up to you know when I approach him after the after the shoot I'm a bit careful but I'm not worried that he's going to come and swipe me one while I'm looking for him is 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 that the is that what you're looking at? Ah, you know, I, it's like when you grow up with that stuff and you're doing it all the time. You, I guess, it becomes second nature. So, yeah, you're you're careful approaching uh, the bears that have been harvested for sure because, uh, um, well, I, you know. Black bears aren't that big of a deal 
uh, having said that they eat a few people every year, but <laughs> but uh, the grizzly bears are a big deal. And uh, if you're not a little bit afraid, you, sh- you should be <laughs> because uh, they can hurt you for sure. And you've got a couple of cats there as well, haven't you? Can you tell us a bit about those? Yeah, we hunt cougars and lynx, more lynx than cougars. Uh, um, yeah, for sure. We, we, we do those from uh, November the 15th until uh, the end of February. So, um, Can you tell us about, a, if we're going to look at a, a lynx hunt or a cougar hunt, uh, again, there's something quite foreign to me and something I'd like to experience. When I give that a go, what's the process? Are you stalking these animals? Are you in tree blinds? What, what, what are you doing? Uh, for cougar and lynx, we're basically on uh, in, in pickups and uh, snowmobiles just looking for tracks. And basically, once you find, you hunt cougar and lynx, it's just a little bit different. Um, you basically, with our cougars, once we find a track, we, we box them in, meaning that we basically don't just turn the dogs out. As soon as we find a track, we, we try to get around in front of it and find out where exactly that cat's going or where it is and try to get a loop right around it. And we, we narrow that up until we, tell, we, we call it boxing them in tight so we know where they are. A lot of times, you'll be within five or 600 meters of the cat. And one of the reasons we do that is uh, because we got such so many wolves there that the wolves will hear our dogs and um, they'll come and, and kill them. So we're pretty careful when we let our little buds out of the out of the cage. Um, lynx are different, um, as in there's a pile of them, and they don't leave any scent in their tracks. So we're basically um, we try to run the same ground every day, so we know which track is absolutely hot and. Um, before we, because they don't leave any scent, they have no. It's all fur on the bottom of their pad, so it, it takes a special dog to catch one to begin with. And um, you want to know that the track is fresh, and they get a good visual on the track, and it's in the right area. Because some places with lots of blowdown and uh, tough running, the dogs don't have a chance to catch the cat. I had a look at the video that you showed me just before this interview, and again, something very prominent uh, where you and your part of the world are not so prominent here yet, although starting to take off is bow hunting. And one thing I noticed is that kind of was one of the main things I saw in that video. Is it, it, it obviously quite a serious sport over there? Oh, yeah, for sure. Bow hunting is big in North America. Um, but having said that, most of our hunters, especially for moose, are still rifle hunters. Yeah. And... I've got your brochure here, and looking through it, some of these guys, and tell us what sort of person is going to get something out of these guides. I look, there's everything from young guys, old guys, um, there's women in here that have given this a go, and uh, as, as we all know that um, New Zealand Women's Hunters is a group uh, just absolutely massive. You know, what, do I need to be physically fit, strong? What's the deal with, with getting out there, or have you got hunts for everybody? Yeah, we, you know, obviously if you're in better shape, you're, you're probably going to have a better hunt. But we hunt with our hunters. They don't hunt with us. We, when, when people show up in camp, we try to put them with the right guide, and we basically have spots for everybody. We, we kind of, uh, you know, we got, we got a big guide territory. It's 4,100 square kilometers, and um, we have spots that don't fit everybody. One thing that you touched on off here was that the size of this, 4,100 square kilometers, this is a big bit of dirt, and... One thing that was foreign to me is I'm allowed to, you know, this is public land, or you call it crown land over there. Uh, you know, where I'm from, I can go on there and hunt if I want to, and so can you. This is, it's public land. You go online, get a free permit. If I was to come over there, I need to go with a guide, don't I? Uh, for everything but small game and waterfowl, I think, yeah. And is, is that all about sort of just protecting the guides, or is it about making sure that people have 
a good experience while they're there? What's the logic behind keeping people off? I think safety as well. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. So, so what's the process? If I wanting to leave New Zealand, if I want to organise a trip, do I go online? How, what's the process of a, a Kiwi that wants to get over there? And, and Canada's on on a lot of New Zealanders and Australians. We've got a big Australian audience on a lot of their lists. What's the process for me to to get over there? Well, you know, just send an email uh, and then uh, introduce yourself. Tell them what you're what you're thinking about doing. There's lots of outfitters in British Columbia. Um, we have. I should know how many species. I think it's 18 species or something. We got the, you know, all the sheep and the the goats. And but uh, basically, just give them a give them a, a ring or an email and tell them what you're interested in. Introduce yourself, and they will get back to you, and uh, and they'll set you up with uh, everything you need to know. It's a, you know, you, you really have sparked my interest. If people want to find more information, you've got a website. Tell us uh, where can they find you. Uh, our, our website is uh, www.opacholakeoutfitters.com. Now, you, you've been hunting a very long time. You must have a couple of good stories for us. What's some decent hunting stories? Oh, man. I, <laughs> I don't know. Um, well, I, ha- I hadn't thought of any. Um, <laughs> all right, we had a, I think I told you, we had a lady uh, a couple of years ago from Montana, a great lady, um, on a moose hunt, they're 10-day hunts, and I think it was like day six or seven. Um, still looking for a moose. We'd had some opportunities, but um, she had some physical problems. So uh, some of the moose we've seen, we just were out of reach. So, But anyways, we were at a nice little pond one night or lake, and I was calling, and we had two moose responding, two bulls coming in. And uh, we had the gal, she was on shooting sticks, and uh, basically... My estimation was we were going to see a moose within five or ten minutes, and uh, we were going to wrap this hunt up. So I was pretty excited about it. And um, the next thing I know, she threw the sticks on the ground and started screaming, bear, big bear. And uh, and all I could think of was I told her to, to be quiet. She was basically screwing things up, you know. <laughs> and I looked over, and there's a uh, quite a large grizzly bear about 15 feet from her who was coming into my cow calling. Um yeah, it wasn't very good, actually. And the bear didn't seem to care. The bear just looked at us like he... <laughs> so I ran over, and I told him he had to leave. And um, he just stared at us. So I put a shot over his head and uh, continued to stare. So then I shot the tree beside his head and blew some bark on him and uh, continued to stare. Didn't even blink. And <laughs> so I, I told him, dude, I'm not that good a shot. I only got two left. So you're going to have to leave, or you're going to have to die. And uh, with that, he slowly just turned and <laughs> walked away. But, oh, my goodness, she was, um, she was crying. She was, um, I, I told her that she was probably the most dangerous thing in the swamp at that time. So we unloaded her gun, and she, she, but she, ha- she hung on to my backpack. She wouldn't let go of me. And she was, uh, she was basically a wreck. But we got her, we got her out of there. And uh, on the way home, we seen another bear, much to her, much to her uh, um surprise uh, we'd seen two grizzlies that day and uh, we got home and uh, she got herself into a, a nice bottle of gin which seemed to calm her down <laughs> and uh, you must have a good beer hunt story i mean that was a pretty good beer it wasn't really a beer hunt but this is something that i want to hear um tell us about uh, one of those one of the most memorable beer hunts that you've ever been on hmm. and again sorry to put you on the spot but these are the stories we like to hear yeah well, uh one that's actually kind of funny. We had a, it was a fall bear hunt, and uh, that time we were 
we had a fellow from Texas and a guy from Louisiana. They were partners. They come together, and um, the fellow from Texas had been on a hunt in Alaska and hadn't been successful. So he was pretty, he wanted to get a bear. Like, he told me, in no, like, he, he was going to shoot a bear. <laughs> so I said, well, you just got to relax. You're here for seven days. We will see some bears. So um, we went down to some grain crops. Um, in, one of my, in, in my area, there's some farmers that got these oats planted, and and um, we seen a bear on the highway. He got pretty excited, and I, uh, we, as soon as we, we pulled into the farm, there was a huge bear on the road right in front of us, and he got out. He was actually going to shoot it. And I said, no, 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 it's, you, you can't do that. It's day one. Like, you got to see what's here. We don't just, you know, let's, it's a hunt, right? And um, that day we seen 25 bears in the grain. It was pretty memorable. Um, but he was so serious. Like, he says, I'm going to shoot one. So he finally did. Um, and so then it was a nice bear. But the guy from Louisiana, he was a little smarter. He was starting to figure stuff out because we, he knew we were looking for a good bear. Like we, the guy, the guy that shot one from Texas, it was a, it was a good bear. But, but the guy from Louisiana, he, uh, he waited till day four, and we finally picked out this monster, and uh, and he shot it. And when the guy from Texas, and it was a monster, like it was bigger than the average bear, <laughs> pardon the pun. But uh, so when the guy from Texas came up and seen what he shot, he, he said, well. That's that's different than the one I got, and the guy from Louisiana turned to him and said, "Well, yours was a starter bear." <laughs> I said, "Oh, you guys can't do that to me." So, anyways, uh, that's just a funny little story. But uh, um, he did actually go buy another bear tag. It's a two bear area, so you are, if you want to, you're allowed two bears. And so he took a nice cinnamon colored bear then. So he got two, so he was pretty happy. And there's a there's a few rules over there, and correct me if I'm wrong about how, the meat and how you can't. Just you can't sell it, can you? What, what's the deal around? So I've shot a bear, and it is it is edible meat. Um, what do you do with the meat after that? So all the meat has to be re- uh, retrieved, all the edible portions from the woods. Um, you can you can eat it if you want. They can't force you to eat it, but it has to be uh, taken with you and removed uh, from the woods. I think right now, and we're trying to change the law. The only animal that you don't have to is grizzly bear, and we're actually trying to make it so that it is. Uh, uh, mandated that you take the meat out. Um. It's something that uh, a lot of New Zealand hunters, I think, and Australian hunters, they kind of stand by. You know, we won't leave any edible meat behind uh, because it's really disappointing. You'd be walking through the the hills and next minute you've come across an animal and they've just taken the wood or the timber. Um, so do you think it's something that, that has changed hunting or makes hunting different or is I, I personally think it'd be a great idea that you do need to remove all edible portions of the animal oh absolutely i think it's uh we we have to do that because otherwise there's a there's a large component of non the non-hunting uh community um looking at us and watching everything that we do and i think we have to uh be very careful about uh about that sort of thing and make sure that we 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 portray the right image What's the anti-hunting lobby like over there? And uh, over here, you might have noticed it's it's not very strong. Uh, most New Zealanders, even the ones that aren't particularly fond of the idea, kind of accept that it goes on. And I think that there's no New Zealander that hasn't gone past a farm and seen what goes on. Um, even the vegetarians, interesting enough, I had a discussion with a vegetarian recently, and we actually had to agree that we have a lot of common ground. You know, I like to know where my meat comes from. I think about it. I'm ethical about the way I kill it. Um, it's free range. Of, you know, it's about as free range as you can get. Uh, but is there a strong anti-hunting lobby uh, in, in Canada? I wouldn't say strong. I think that you've probably got 15% 
that's an, that are anti-hunters, you've probably got 15% that are pro-hunting, and we call a, then there's a 70% in the middle, and those are the ones that we have to watch that we don't that we don't uh, sway them the wrong way. Um, but there is, having said that, there's a big movement now um, for fair chase food and organic meat, and we're getting people, um, uh, younger people now that are into uh, um, getting like fair chase food and and knowing where their food's coming from and uh, and they're not the it's not like the days of old when you drove around in pickups and shot them out the window these people are actually interested in in doing some hiking and and getting out there and uh, and i think that that's a real strong movement that's coming on it's kind of like this the you know the sweat that's involved in getting that food and getting that meat to the table makes it a whole lot more appreciated isn't it absolutely and and, it, and that's a so there's a whole new demographic of hunters coming along with that attitude and i think it's a good thing and and this is this is off topic a little bit but how do you feel about what i consider to be high-tech hunting and i'm just as guilty as everyone i've got an electronic caller i take a gps with me um i've got a, a you know a decent rifle that's been suppressed and it's got a new trigger and i take a range finder you know i'm, I'm a fairly high-tech hunter um but part of me wonders whether that's dumbing the sport down rather than adding to it. I know what you're saying, and it's one of those things that somebody, a good friend of mine who's hunted with me for years, told me a long time ago that we have to be careful um, not to badmouth other hunting fraternities. Like we got the bow, the bow hunters, and we got guys with traditional bows badmouthing the guys with with compound bows, and we got, and I think we just have to be careful that. that that we put hunting first, and as long as we're doing it ethically, obviously I got I got some opinions about some of this long range stuff, and but I think we just have to be careful um, that we're not we're not we're not beating up other hunters. You know what I mean? That's understandable. And the other thing I, I think that, and I'm sure you find this over there. In fact, you and I have done this straight away. Is hunting is the great leveler. You know, we've both found something that we have in common. Um, it doesn't matter about your class, your race, your income. Uh, yesterday when I was in the hills, I, I talked to a guy, and uh, hunting was the first thing. We shook hands, we talked about the hunt, what he'd seen, what's around in the hills, and I have no idea how much money he earns or, or what his background is, and I don't care. Uh, our fraternity is, is this, it is hunting, and, um, and I'm sure you've found that in your travels as well. It is the one thing that we've got all in common, and I think you've made a very good point uh, that you're right, let's not bag each other. Uh, let's have the discussion, though. Let's talk about the ethics and what we do and, and how we do it, uh, because I think we need to make sure that our sport stays on the right side of the ledger. Um, but it's not about necessarily putting the other people down. It's just about having that discussion, isn't it? I agree, 100%. Again, if people want to find uh, your place, Ken, and, and, and you and your lovely wife, Crystal, who I met the other day, are, are the hosts there, um, let's let's put that website out there again, and I do encourage you to have a look at it. These guys, I've got their brochure in front of me now, and the pages are worn from me me searching through it because uh, hunting black bears on my bucket list, and uh, and I, I'm going to give this a go. So Ken, again, where do they find you? Uh, it's uh, www.opacholoakeoutfitters.com. I'm sure you're going to find some great hosts. And Ken and Crystal, thank you very much for your interview. I know that you're a little bit scared of the microphone, but <laughs> you don't need to be, and I'm a nice, easy interview for you. So, again, thank you so much, and uh, let's let's catch up soon, eh? Oh, you're welcome. We'll stay in touch. Now, remember, you can win a 12-month subscription to NZ Outdoor Hunting Magazine. All you need to do is be active with our page. I know I harp on about this just a little bit, 
uh, but it really is that simple. Go online, join our Facebook page, scroll through, and it could be you winning that great 12-month subscription. Also, we have some very cool metrics. We can see who's doing what where, and that includes email. So uh, we know that a majority of our listeners don't don't have Facebook or don't engage with us through Facebook, but you certainly email me a lot, and I do enjoy it. And if I don't get back to you, I'm sorry, because the, the amount of emails we get is just it's borderline prolific, and uh, I do try and get back to as many as I can. But if you've got any interview suggestions, we love to hear them. We love your ideas for the show. And I got a really interesting email from someone in Australia just a couple of days ago. And what it said is that they've listened to a couple of American hunting shows, and Ken, you probably have listened to a, a few of these. And they said that the interesting thing is is a lot of the overseas hunting shows or online hunting shows really focus on stuff. They They focus on the new gun, the new caller, the, the new GPS, rather than the actual sport. And I, I, we do take huge efforts in making sure we're not a hunting toys review show. So um, thank you very much for your feedback. And although occasionally we do look at some product, at large we do try and focus on our sport, on our craft, and on the fraternity that is hunting. Thank you very much for tuning in once again um, it's getting really close to the raw duck shootings coming, guys. Remember to be safe out there. Uh, if you need to, uh, make sure that you well, don't. If you need to, always identify your target. We've already had a couple of accidents this hunting season, and I don't want to hear about any more. Let's try and make the rest of the season a positive one. We'll hear from you again next week. Good hunting. Broadcasting from an undisclosed location, from a secret hunting spot known only to him and the guy who told him about it, and possibly the guy who told the guy who told him. It's a show all about hunting in New Zealand and around the globe. This is The Hunting Show. Find The Hunting Show on Facebook and Twitter for up-to-date information on upcoming shows and topics.